a neurodiverse relationship? Well, I've been in one for 30 years. I'm Lilo Bupert, and this is Touching the Tism, a podcast for anyone living with a partner on the spectrum. I've got tips, techniques, and lots of funny stories that will help you navigate and understand the sometimes confounding behaviors of your neurodiverse mate. Listen in and find out what Touching the Tism is all about. Welcome back. I'm Lilo Bupert, and this is Touching the Tism. On my episode today, I'd like to talk to you about something that is hard to put a positive spin on, unfortunately, the Cassandra phenomenon. It has been brought to my attention that I need to define things a little bit better for those of you that may be listening that are not in a neurodiverse relationship, or for those of you that might be in an ND relationship but aren't familiar with all the terms, or in particular, the terms that I like to use. First, let me start with some abbreviations. For this episode, I'll be referring to people with autism or people on the spectrum as neurodiverse or ND. I'll also be referring to the partner without autism as the neurotypical partner or the NT of the pair. I hope this helps you as I move forward in these podcasts and that this gives you a working knowledge of the terms I'll be using. There are many different names for autistic people and their partners, but I'm going to be using these as these seem to be, to me, to have one of the broader definitions, and I've always surmised that autistic people are just as diverse and different as NTs, but when you group them together, there does seem to be some commonality in their behaviors and in their difficulties with relationships. These terms just seem to make it easier to discuss the topic and hopefully no one who is listening will have a problem with the terms I've chosen to use. But if you think I could have a better way of describing them, feel free to contact me at marriedtotheiceman at gmail.com because I'm always trying to improve my communication. Anyway, so enough administrivia, as Bill would say. Let's move on to that bitch Cassandra. Okay. If you are familiar with Greek mythology, Apollo kind of had a thing for Cassandra. So for an exchange of her womanly wiles, Apollo bestowed upon her the gift of prophecy. But as is typical in Greek mythology, something had to go terribly wrong. And it certainly did. Turns out she spurned Apollo's advances once she had attained the gift of prophecy. And like most gods back then, then he wasn't going to take that sitting down. So what he decided to do is give her and let her continue to keep the gift of prophecy, but curse her with the no one would believe her when she said what she had to say curse. So she accurately predicted the fall of Troy and the death of Agamemnon, but no one listened to her. And even worse, she was mocked and marginalized up until her eventual murder alongside Agamemnon. So what does this have to do with autism, I'm sure you're asking? Unfortunately, a lot. The Cassandra phenomenon, or syndrome, whichever you want to call it, is an extremely difficult position for the neurotypical partner. I personally prefer the word phenomenon over syndrome because... Syndrome sounds a little bit like victim to me, and there's one thing that I just 
advise you against, and that is being any kind of victim in any kind of relationship, but especially one with your ND partner. So I'm going to use the word phenomenon over syndrome. So what happens to someone experiencing Cassandra phenomenon? It goes like this, and let me know if this sounds painfully familiar to you. Many women married to NDs are often poo-pooed when they speak to family and friends about their partner's unusual behaviors. When some NT partners are desperately telling someone in confidence about maybe the lack of empathy that their ND partner shows or the indifference they have to their partner's needs being unmet or any number of other legitimate feelings that the NT is having, these intimate confessions are often met with statements like, oh, it's not that bad. So-and-so is a really nice guy. I don't see what you're complaining about. Insert name of person is always reliable and predictive, predictable and obviously perfectly normal. Or my personal favorite, I don't see anything wrong with blank. I just love him. I personally have had any number of things said to me that led to me wanting to choke the person in front of me as I'm spilling my guts and hopefully getting some empathy or understanding from the person who's listening to me. To be poo-pooed when you have concerns about your mate and you're trying to talk it out with a girlfriend or family members, is uh, it's demoralizing at best and extremely cruel and hurtful at worst. This mistreatment can lead to a host of issues for the ND person, excuse me, NT person. Depression, weight issues, low self-respect, hopelessness, a host of physical issues, chemical dependencies. I could go on and on. None of them are good. So I want you to know that if you have experienced these secondary effects of living with an ND, they are real and you are experiencing normal reactions and feelings about your situation. Better yet, there are things to be done to help you with these feelings of hopelessness. As the partner of an ND person, I noticed some very unusual behavior early on, and even my very own dad poo-pooed me. I'd call him up, and I'd be like, Bill this and Bill that, and he would just think I was a complainer, you know, or a typical woman just venting or, you know, not really having a handle on the situation and just being a big uh, complainer. I told you this was hard to put a positive spin on, but I'm going to help you with that towards the end. So from my experience with Cassandra, going back many years, if I got upset with Bill, he would get very angry with me. And to this day, if I get upset, whether at him or something else, he's still pretty clueless sometimes is what to do. And I might have to remind him or refresh him a little bit on, remember, you know, I said step one. I'm not even joking. Uh, That's what we have used in the past to help him understand what he can do to help the situation. Plus now he kind of gets upset himself. He's kind of developed a almost a Pavlovian response where if I get upset, his whole world goes upside down and it's like warning Will Robinson. He doesn't know what to do and that upsets him and then it just, it spirals down. Now I've got to tell you, things are a hundred percent better than they were in the old days, but even now it's a learned behavior for him to comfort me. I'll surely take it and his efforts are duly noted as it is total love to incorporate 
behaviors into your life that are completely foreign to you. So I need for you to listen to that part very closely. If your mate is intent on making your relationship better and they are basically altering themselves and their natural characteristics, you have to recognize that as true love because you should never go into a relationship wanting to change somebody, right? But let's face it, working with someone sometimes who is uh, neurodiverse is a big challenge and you need them to kind of meet you halfway. And if they are willing to do that, that is definitely true love. That said, in the beginning of our relationship, things were pretty tough and there were long uh, stretches where I thought about rat poison almost on a daily basis. <laughs> hate to admit that, but it, it's true. So there were times that I would be leaking, for example, and Bill would just throw a fit. He'd get angry and upset with me and stomp off. And I got to tell you, that is terribly invalidating because here you are, you're all upset, you're crying, oh my God, you know, and going on about whatever the, the problem is, whether it's something he caused or uh, about some other thing that's going wrong in your life. And he would be angry. I mean, really angry and just stomp off. And I would be sitting there, be like, what is happening? I had plenty of other relationships in my life because Bill and I got married when we were older. And I was so confounded by that behavior. I had no earthly idea what would cause a man to look at someone that I know he, he loves me, but he's looking at with me with disdain and stomping off when I'm upset and needing him the most. Let me tell you, it was a confounding situation. And then when I would try to talk to him about it later, and usually too soon, unfortunately, I did learn that myself later on, he would get, um, you know, uh, still give me the cold shoulder. He would stare off into space. He wouldn't look me in the eyes. I, I'd give him a big, long monologue, and he'd give me like one-word answers. It, it was incredibly difficult time. Not fun at all. And sometimes, I hate to even admit this, he would mock me and berate me and make fun of me for being upset. It was awful, truly. Then as most women do, I'd try to explain what was happening in my life to my parents or to friends, and they were like... <laughs> no help at all. And again, just thought I was a complainer or a bit nuts. I've even had people tell me, oh, he's just eccentric. He's a typical guy, blah, blah, blah. Believe me, uh, I had plenty of experiences to base my frustration on with other neurotypical guys. And I had never encountered anything like this. And I was just beside myself with, with what to do. Now, all that said, again, it really sounds like complaining and I'm beating up on Bill and I know that this is going to be one of the more negative podcasts that I deliver and I that is not my intent. I really want to stay positive as much as I can because we have overcome a lot of these things and you can too. You can. It's a lot of hard work, but if you saw us today, you would say it is totally worth it. Now, all that said, let me give you some hope. If you are in an ND relationship and your concerns are being blown off by your partner or the people you confide in, please, goodness, 
let me tell you right off the bat, you are not alone and you are not crazy and you are not going crazy. Yes, these behaviors on your partner's side are real and many of them are terribly hurtful, hurtful until you realize the origin of them. This is the key, the origin of them. And I'm going to talk to you about that in just a second. And even when you realize the origin of them, they can still be pretty hurtful. I want you to know that knowledge is power. And if you know that origin of your partner's behavior, you can help guide whatever issue you are having into a more desirable outcome. First of all, I would advise you, please try not to look for your uh, ND partner to naturally comfort you or understand your feelings. This may be a, a bridge too far and will often end in further frustration and feelings of loss. But with a lot of communication on your part and stating your needs directly during predictable behaviors, your partner can learn to comfort you for sure and empathize with you and at the very least control their own reactions to volatile situations. That way, both of you can fare better, especially if it is a recurring theme in your relationship. Bill and I call this the merry-go-round. Every couple has been on the merry-go-round. You've got that argument, right? That just constantly comes up. And no matter how many times you've tried to work it through, you just can't come up with a solution and you know exactly how it ends. So this is something that I'm going to try to help you get off the merry-go-round and things that you can do to stop the situation before it even starts happening. This is where I'm going to bring Bill into this discussion as he has some things to say that I hope will help you understand the why behind some of his people's more confounding behaviors, behaviors, and maybe he can help you understand the origin of what I would call some pretty typical Aspie behaviors. If you know the why, it often softens things and helps you see their perspective. And if you can do that, you'll be a lot happier and a lot less frustrated in your indie relationship. So welcome, honey. Hey, baby. Thanks uh, for listening to um, me trash you. Yes. I'm sorry. I know it's probably embarrassing and difficult to listen to. You but... don't have to apologize. You know, I'm incapable of being offended. Well, yes, I've heard that before. Indeed. So, um, Bill, honey, on this sort of pick on Bill topic, can you... Help us understand what happened to you in the early days of our relationship when I got upset specifically with you. Why so much anger in the in our early days? We know we're very logical. So for us, it's, a, it's emotion up and logic down. And that's a very bad place for us to find ourselves in, even if we have no part of that emotion. And we're simply seeing it displayed. So it's very frustrating for us. Plus, remember... There are certain things that we just don't have knowledge of. If you don't have knowledge of something and you see it, you don't quite know how to handle it. Tell me more about um, having lack of knowledge on emotional issues. Like, remember when uh, we were first together and I would get upset and I would cry if I was upset with you or, or something else, especially if I was upset with you, you became very angry. Was it because you were at a loss of, what to do with the situation? I think I was at a complete loss of what to do when you were leaking and, um, you know, how to handle that. Now, over time, of course, I've learned how to handle that, and I've got some coping strategies both for myself and you. 
Yeah, I think you definitely have. I mean, it's it's greatly improved for sure. Um, so another thing that I'm hoping you can explain to us is once things calm down and we were no longer in a volatile communication situation and I sat you down and tried to talk to you, why, why do you, why did you stonewall me so bad? And you still do that a little bit today, but you're a lot, lot, lot better about it. Why did you shut down when I tried to communicate with you? Why would you stare off into space? And it was like, you didn't even really hear a word I said, and you were hating your life while I'm sitting there talking to you. Well, I can't say I didn't hear a word you said, because I heard every word that you said, but I was hating my life because you had pinned me down like a butterfly. Okay. In a display case. Okay. To listen to your rants, bloviations, and complaints. Mm. I see. But what makes you shut down as a person when someone's trying to communicate and work it out? Boy, you're not going to like it, but part okay. of it is boredom. And the other part is oh. just not knowing what's going on. And, and the sheer waste of spending so much time emoting when you should be able to take care of it in a few minutes by just composing yourself getting harmonious and tranquil and serene and moving on. So uh, Bill's a little German that way. You know, don't ever ask him if this dress makes you look fat, okay? Because you're going to get the answer for sure. Uh, it's not the dress, honey. That, oh, Bill! <sighs> anyway, you can see how this dynamic works, right? Um, yeah. Don't ever ask him a direct question because you will get the answer, and it may not be one that you like that much. Anyway... Uh, can you also describe what it's like for you now when I get upset, either at you or upset for another reason? And why, why did, how did you get this to change? You know, I mean, you've made some enormous advancements in our relationship. You're, you're much better at being able to see that I'm upset. You're much more in tune with me as a human being. So, um, how did, how did you get there? Well, I'm a learning organism. And of course, I'm dedicated to you because one thing dedicated to because one thing about Aspies, especially for my Vulcan tribe, we are very loyal folk and we take pride in our fidelity. So that was part of it. I'm a learning organism. So I learned over time what the proper things to do. And I became more patient and serene where what, women achieve a lot of catharsis just by talking and talking and talking and then they talk some more so I'll if choke i him later if i smile and wave and smile on occasion and maybe frown at times <laughs> when you think you're sad and, and i'll say oh honey or oh really oh and then i'll ask a poignant question every now and again so that i can behave as if i'm listening to your rants as you're going on because admit that as a woman it's very cathartic for you just to talk sure sure so um are you really, this is going to catch you out of left field, are you really empathizing with me when I'm sitting there talking to you about maybe something you've done or maybe I'm upset with a situation in my life? Are you really empathizing or is it all just theater and you just can't wait for it to be over? I think I'm empathizing now because I understand it. Now, back then, I didn't understand it and, and you could have been speaking Esperanto and I wouldn't have known what you were talking about. Okay, well, that's nice to know. All right. So I would like uh, you to give us advice, okay? I would like for you to start with giving advice to the ND, the neurodiverse partner, and what they can do 
or techniques that you have used with me that you could offer them that would help them in these situations with their neurotypical partner? What would you offer an ND that is having their, their, their neurotypical partner is having an upset episode and they need to do something to make it right? What would you offer them? How could you help them handle that situation? Well, as a preamble, I have to describe to everybody that I'm a capitalist stoic. So I, 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 I've studied the writings and I live the writings and the, and the working philosophy of Epictetus, Aurelius, Seneca, and the rest of them. And I find that that provides me with the serenity, patience, and tranquility that I need over time to listen, to actually listen to what you're saying, to have the patience. And sometimes you, you've talked about me getting angry or flying off the handle. I've gotten a lot better over yes. time with that. That is a characteristic of, of certain NDs on the spectrum. I can count to 30. I can smile and wave. I can just try to achieve my inner Zen and just relax and then listen. Because for men, relaxing and listening, for the most part in the first 30 minutes, is much more profitable for us when a woman is having her breakdown than it is for a man. And I just listened to your conversation. I almost said something else. Oh, you did? I did. Uh Uh-huh. So... I think maybe what I could offer is for your, if your ND is in, in a mindset where they aren't willing to hear what you have to say, or they're very upset, just walk away from it for a, for a good period of time. In my experience with Bill, and I can't speak for anyone else, it takes an extraordinary amount of time, in my opinion, for him to calm down and get to that place where he is able to listen. I don't know about your uh, neurodiverse partner, but if that is the case, don't press it because it doesn't help. Just go find something to do or whatever until the situation is calm so that you can discuss these things in an atmosphere of harmony instead of a volatile situation. So, babe, do you have any advice to the NTs on you know how to... Um, how to listen to their neurodiverse partner or help their neurodiverse partner comfort them, right? Like how can you help an NT partner in this situation? I think that, man, it's pretty much like what I just described. Be patient, uh, oh, maybe same. silence, maybe. Yeah. And, and then of course, you know, in any argument, any couple gets into, you better start shedding your clothing because then you can quickly <laughs> stop naked. the argument. Argue naked. I highly recommend it. Okay. All right. So now I'd like to bring all of that together with a little bit of talk about the Cassandra phenomenon. So can you tell me, uh, do you ever experience anyone, any of your friends or relatives that just say, Oh, you're not autistic. I don't believe you're on the spectrum. Or would you ever experience that? And what, what do you say to them? Of, of course I hear that. And I tell them that I'm a master of masking and mimicry so that in my adult lifetime, so I wasn't simply considered eccentric or odd, I would start to look at NT behavior and try to mimic it and try to speak that language. It's sort of like being 
A Stranger in a Strange Land, to uh, borrow the phrase from the title of Heinlein's book. And I do my very best not to be an ugly American when I'm in NT land. I try to do the very best thing I can to be a cooperative visitor. Now for some more advice. If you are feeling like the Cassandra phenomenon has you wrapped up in her little mythological fingers, take a breath. Here's the good news. It doesn't matter what other people think of you or your mate. I know that's a hard pill to swallow because a lot of people, that's a big concern in their life. But I advise you not to try to convince your family and friends that your partner is neurodiverse. It's a worthless endeavor. They're going to believe what they want to believe. And there's only so much that you can influence that. Okay. Even your kids or your parents don't have to validate you. You, you can, you can do that all by yourself. You know what's happening here. Reach out to friends that might empathize or find support groups of people that are in your situation so that you have someone to talk to. And if worse comes to worse, you can hire a professional. And luckily these days you're not limited on your geographical location to find a good life coach or psychologist or marriage counselor because of the internet, you can hire people all all over the country and you don't have to do it with your partner. You can just do this therapy with yourself so that you have a better idea of how to handle the situation or how to, how to handle being so invalidated. I think that's the biggie with the Cassandra phenomenon is the being so invalidated. You just feel so alone and hopeless sometimes because you're confounded. And then when you try to explain what's going on to other people and they poo-poo you, it just it magnifies that feeling of hopelessness. And you don't need to feel that way because you're not crazy. It is happening. They are different for sure. And a lot of their behaviors, it's difficult to understand because we're neurotypical. It's almost like... Um, trying to understand what it's like to be insane. You can't because you're sane. We're not neurodiverse. And I'm speaking for the neurotypical partner, obviously. We're not neurodiverse, so we cannot understand what it is like. And we try, of course, and they try to understand what it's like to be neurotypical. And hopefully somewhere we'll meet in the middle. And hopefully you have at least one friend or family member that has seen that maybe your partner's behavior is a little unusual and they believe you and you have someone to talk to who will empathize with your situation. Another suggestion I have that I think will be really helpful to you is instead of you trying to convince friends or family that your partner is, is neurodiverse, if your partner is willing, have them explain to the friend or family member that they are indeed neurodiverse. You know, obviously if they know they are, because some of you are probably living with people who are autistic that don't want to know or are undiagnosed or don't want to be diagnosed or whatever the situation might be. But if they are aware and they are not embarrassed, they can go and talk to that person and tell them, hey, you know, I might not unravel my authentic self in front of you or others because I've spent my entire life pretending to be someone else in public. And I'm really only my authentic self at home or with my mate or 
whatever the situation is. So I think that that is really helpful if you ask them to speak to the relative or the friend that is unbelieving or might get under your skin because they don't believe you and have your partner explain to them the situation. And I think that'll be a, le a lot less uh, pressure on you. Um, another way to help yourself is the obvious of online support groups. I moderate Wives of Aspies on Facebook, and I highly recommend that group for finding out how to help yourself when you're feeling in invalidated and emotionally unsupported or worse, plain out ignored. It's a lovely group, and uh, they have a little bit of a different take on things because they only accept people who are in committed relationships and want to work things out. So you'll have a lot of positive support there. You're not going to find a lot of ladies going, hey, give up, run, you know, get a divorce. That's never going to happen there because it's only for people who want to understand. And it's a, it's a very positive support group. So check that out. Finally, I recommend that if you are hating that bitch, Cassandra, you should take time to explain your feelings of frustration to your ND, but only in times of calm and peace and tell them exactly how to react when the two of you are on the merry-go-round and what you need to feel like someone is listening to you. If they love you and believe me, um, I have never been loved more than by my Aspie, even though it might not always be palpable palpable to me at times. Um, they will listen and try their best to react in a more appropriate way. They often have no clue how to help you or how to comfort you in times of distress, especially if they are the cause. They want to be happy and loved just like anyone else. They often so want to do the right thing by you. They just don't know what that is. So educate them. You must always be willing to say what your needs are. I'm not as familiar uh, with uh, women indie partners, but basically take your typical guy and amplify that guy's behavior and you've got an Aspie. They are seriously so very clueless at times that you must be willing to state your needs and ask them to be filled as best they can. I will be putting up resources on my blog, marriedtotheiceman.com, to help you find uh, professionals in your area if you're interested so you can... Find me there and check it out and see what you think. So I, I want to be clear on one thing that the Cassandra syndrome doesn't or phenomenon doesn't just apply to friends and family that don't believe you. It also can be partly because of living with your ND partner. It can be like um a side effect, if you will, because oftentimes you are not validated by people outside of your relationship and you're not validated by the person inside your relationship. So if it seems like I've talked a lot about how to get your Aspie to be more empathetic, I want you to know that that is all part of the Cassandra phenomenon. It's internal and external. So keep that in mind. It's a lot of pressure for the NT partner and you need to take really good care of yourself and validate yourself in lots of ways that you can because we can't control other people, right? 
at all. It doesn't work. We can only control ourselves. And if we are in a situation where we are feeling like no one's listening and nobody can believe what my situation is, we have to do whatever it is we can do to make sure that we take care of ourselves. Because I hate to say this, but it can be very draining to be in a neurodiverse relationship because there are times where you feel like you're the only person holding up the boat. You know, because I'm the leader in the emotional health of my relationship, like a lot of women who are in any kind of relationship, whether neurodiverse or neurotypical, the woman takes the responsibility of holding up the relationship. But with an ND partner, it is even more so because they cannot, many of them cannot, whatever it is inside of them, like mind blindness, for example, the lack of being able to see how you're feeling from looking at your face or your body postures. They literally do not possess whatever it is that we neurotypicals have, where we can look at anyone, anywhere, at a party, at a restaurant, and see how they're feeling. They do not possess that, and you cannot expect them to do so. So you have to take care of yourself in the end because you're the only one who can validate yourself and know how to best support yourself. Reach out, get those professionals, get those friends who empathize and, you know, go get a massage, right? Whatever you have to do. Anyway, I want to uh, thank you again for listening to me bloviate. I'm Lilo Bupert, and this has been another episode of Touching the Tism. Reach out to me anytime. And if you see that Cassandra, smack that bitch. <laughs>